Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Well, let me ask you, what are you ashamed of? I'm sorry if that's a little bit abrupt for a start to a talk, but what are you ashamed of? What have you done that you are ashamed about, that shames you, that you're ashamed of? Now, as I say that, my mind flits to a number of different things of which I think, well, I am ashamed of doing that. Now, I, I could rephrase the question and ask really the same thing, but in different words. I could say, how have you sinned? In many ways, it's the same kind of thing, because generally, we're ashamed of the things of which we should be ashamed of because it's sin before God. And so, how have you sinned? Now, at the start of uni, many of you have probably sinned. You're ashamed of what you've done or what you've thought. How have you sinned? Well, Psalm 32 should be a balm to our spirits today if that is you. Because look at what it says in the beginning. It says, happy are those who are forgiven. See how it begins, verse 1 and 2? Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not account against him. You see what's going on here? David is saying... There's a happiness in knowing that your sins are forgiven. He speaks of the joy of not having your sins stand over you. He speaks of gladness about not being found guilty. I don't know about you, do you know when you've had an argument with a friend and the relationship gets broken somewhat? It feels really good, doesn't it, when you make up? When one of you says sorry and you can talk about what's going on, and the relationship is restored. Well, that's the kind of thing that David's speaking about here. He proclaims the joy of knowing that you've been forgiven, in verses 1 and 2 here. And can you see that our wrongdoing, our sin, is described in three ways, in effect, kind of capturing the whole of our rebellion against God, our turning away from God. Because really, that's what sin is. It is turning away from God as our king. We saw that in Psalm 2 last week for those who were here. We saw there the world was in rebellion against God. The world had sinned against him. And that sin is seen in many different ways as we don't follow God's standards. So you see there verse 1. There is transgression. Now that's crossing a line. It's as if there's a mark in the ground which God says don't cross. And we look into God's eye and step over the line. We transgress. An offence which breaks relationship with God and with each other. You see, it says that it talks about sin. Now, that seems to be a general word just from turning aside from the right way and and making a wrong turning, going the wrong way. And then verse 2, you see the word sin used again, although it's a slightly different word in the original. Now, a word which would mean iniquity or guilt that the iniquity brings. Now, speaking of something which is just twisted and distorted... In something which is twisted and distorted in, about, in a way which brings guilt. And not just a, a feeling of guilt. Do you know what I mean? The, the kind of guilt where you think, oh, I feel, I feel really guilty that I forgot to invite Jean tonight. It's not that kind of guilt. You know, it's more the objective kind of guilt. You know, the, the kind of guilt where uh, the, uh, the judge would say to the foreman of the jury, how do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? It's that kind of guilt. It's that kind of sin that's been spoken of in verse 2. You see, when that kind of sinfulness is forgiven, how blessed you are. 
And so as there's three ways to describe uh, the sin which we've committed, there's also three ways to describe the forgiveness. Uh, Verse 1, the transgressions are forgiven. Having your sin dealt with, taken away. Uh, Verse 2, verse 1 again, the the sins are covered. Uh, I think the picture is, imagine walking up to God and you're just in filthy rags. And God brings a rich cloak and places it over your shoulder and covers you up. Now it's the picture I think of uh, the, the prodigal son. Do you remember him? When he turns away from his father and he does all those terrible things. And he comes back to the father as a slave, wanting to be a slave. And the father comes and puts a robe around him and welcomes him back into the house as a son. Our sin is covered. And then in verse 2, it's not counted against you. You know, God doesn't reckon you to be guilty anymore. He doesn't count the sin against you to your ledger. This is how Martin Lloyd-Jones explains what this means. I love these words. He says, though he has sinned, so although a man has sinned and is guilty of many sins, God will not put down sins to this man's account in the heavenly ledgers. He might do so. He has a perfect right to do so. But, says David, blessed is the man whom God does not reckon the sins. He does not put them down in his count. He leaves them out. He's sent them away. He's covered them up. He has forgiven them. Wonderful, isn't it? Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. And, and these words are taken up by the Apostle Paul in Romans 4 to show us that not only is our sin removed, but actually and taken away, but there is not only sin not credited to us, but that we are considered righteous. That is, the goodness of Christ becomes ours. All that Christ has done has been laid up to our account. God sees us in Christ. Well, why don't you and your groups now take a few minutes to look at Romans 4 and just understand a little bit more about what's going on there. And if you take about, for leaders, about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes in your group to do that. The Psalm, David says, great blessing in having your sins forgiven. There's great joy and happiness to be found in having your sins forgiven. The question is, though, are you going to be convinced of that? Are you really going to believe what David says here, that there is great joy and blessing in having your sins forgiven? Well, David wants us to be convinced of it in this psalm, and so he shares his experience. He wants us to learn from his experiences. And then in verses 6 to 10, he wants us to join in with him. You see, so the first of all, we're going to look, we're going to say, learn from David and his experiences, verses 3 to 5. And as we approach learning from David's experience, look at what the end of verse 2 says. It says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That prepares the way for us as we look at verses 3 to 5. What he's saying is there's great blessedness for the one who is forgiven, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That is, a person who doesn't hide anything from God, who's not deceitful in front of God. You see, and as we look at verses 3 and 4, we see that David was deceitful at first. He kept silent. He was hiding things. Do you see it at the beginning of verse 3? When I kept silent. Now it's when he was pretending that he hadn't done anything wrong. When he tried to suppress it. Can you see the effect that it had from him? for him? Look how verse 3 continues. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. You can see the pain and almost physical consequences that when he tried to cover up his own sin, what that, that had on him. 
He was shriveling up inside. I wonder if you can relate to that. The sin was making him feel small. It was eating away at him. David says that happened when he didn't confess his sins to God. Now if you do feel a sense of that, as you look back and you think, yes I have sinned, and you feel that sense of it's eating away at you, then that's going to be good for you as you listen to what David has to say here. David continues to describe the effect of keeping quiet in verse 4, where he says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. You see, David knew that he had done something wrong. And he felt the hand of God was heavy upon him, weighing him down. And it weakened him. Weakened him as if he was standing in the desert heat with no water. And you know, he's saying here that if you try and keep quiet about your sin, cover it up, then it doesn't work and it's just going to cause problems. And and you know, there's many ways in which I think you can keep quiet, but you can cover up your sins. Many ways in which you can be deceitful before God. You may look at your sin and just pretend it didn't happen. So if you don't think about it, then it might go away. Then it may work for a while. You may be able to push it down and pretend it didn't happen. But the sin is still there, even if you are pretending it didn't happen. And that can often lead to the second thing that I think we can keep saying. We can convince ourselves then that the sin actually wasn't too bad. It wasn't, it wasn't really a sin. Now maybe you're doing that now. I didn't really get drunk. I was just tipsy. That, that, that'll be alright, won't it? I wasn't really having sex with my girlfriend. I, I didn't really... Whatever that is. You see, we convince ourselves that maybe the sin wasn't really a sin. It wasn't actually that bad. Or we say, uh, no, I didn't really sin. It was so-and-so's fault. If they hadn't done that to me, then I wouldn't have done that. It's not really my fault. And so we try and pretend that the sin is not ours because the other person caused it. Do you know, and it's a dangerous place to be in if you're trying to pretend you didn't sin or you're trying to cover up your sin or you're trying to say it was not really that bad because in the effect you can end up inuring yourself to the effects of sin. So you might not feel the guilt and the effects of the sin. But the effect still remains. You are guilty. And it will eat away at you. And in the end it will diminish you. And eventually it will catch up with you. When you have to face God in judgment. So another way that you can keep quiet and cover up is by trying to do good things. Now maybe you think you can actually you can outweigh sin somehow. Now if I do good things and that will outweigh my sin, that will be okay then. Or we can think, well... I'm doing lots of good things so that this bit of bad thing doesn't really matter. So now I've known a student in the past who's been really involved in Christian stuff. A really great guy. Thinking he was doing really well and yet all the time he's sleeping with his girlfriend. He didn't quite match up the fact that that was a sin and yet what he was doing over here doesn't cover up for it. However good it was and however much he was doing. Or maybe you think it's okay because I've been baptised. Or I give money to the church regularly. That will be okay. God will now look on me with compassion. You see, thinking of doing stuff to make up doesn't work. It doesn't take the sin away. Or another way that I find sometimes people can try to be, keep quiet, cover up their sin, is that they all of a sudden they start having doubts. 
No, the, I'm not saying that doubts can't be genuine, but for some people, people have doubts so that they can cover up their sin. And it works kind of like this, I think. And they have doubts about whether the Bible's true, whether Jesus really existed, whether the resurrection happened. And can you see what happens? If you get rid of the Bible being true, Jesus existing and the resurrection happening, then well, where, where does sin fit? There's nowhere, is it? And so you can get rid of your sin by denying those things. But the problem is it doesn't work. Because the gospel is true. And the sin remains. Do you know, there's maybe lots of other ways in which you can cover up your sin. Which you can try to keep quiet about it and pretend it didn't happen. But they don't work. Sin is still there. Still, sin still has its effect. And the ultimate effect is that we will be judged by God for it. And so learn from David's silence. Silence doesn't work. But then see verse 5, learn and learn from David's speech. And you see the contrast that's drawn. In verses 3 and 4, he is silent. He covers up. And then in verse 5, he speaks. And see what he says, verse 5? Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, he spoke up and said, I've sinned. He thought, I'm not going to cover it up anymore. I'm going to tell you what I've done. I'm going to open it up. And so he confessed his sin to God and God forgave him. You see, that's what God does. Do you remember Romans 4? God forgives those who confess their sins and considers them righteous. You see, what David, all David did was bring his sin out into the open before God. And God forgave it. In the language of verse 1 and 2, God covered the sin. Now I find the, the way this, the, the psalm is written here is really interesting. Do you know what I think? You see in verse 2, there's the blessing of having your sin covered. But verses 3 and 4, if you try to cover your sin, it eats away at you. And it's not a blessing at all. It diminishes you. But verse 5, if you uncover your sin, then God will cover it for you. And do away with it. He sees in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Whose sin is covered. And then verse 3. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up. My iniquity. Do you know this my dear friends. Is the gospel. Learn from David. Think about your sin. Open it up to God. And he will forgive it. And we know that he will forgive it because of the death of the Lord Jesus. Do you know the Lord Jesus was the one who felt his bones wasting away as he hung on the cross. As he groaned all day long. The Lord Jesus felt as if his strength was sapped. As if he was standing in the desert. As he felt the full weight of God's wrath for his sin. You see God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took the weight of guilt and sin and he bore it on the cross for us. He did that so that when we open up our sins to God, then God can say, I will forgive you. God can forgive the guilt of our sins. Not just the feeling of guilt, but the actual objective guilt that stands over us. It can be forgiven. You see, and all that David did was lift the lid on the sin. So that the full horror of it could be seen before God. 
And I wonder as he did that, whether the words and the description of who God is were so precious to him. Do you remember those words? The Lord is gracious and compassionate. That must have been so precious to him. And he must have been able to sing, as far as the east is from the west, so you've removed my transgressions from us. And be able to sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you know that wonderful experience of sins forgiven by the Lord Jesus from God? Well, learn from David. Don't be quiet about your sin. Speak up before God about it. And then join in with what David says next. You see what he says, verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. David says, let everyone who is godly be godly and respond rightly to God. In this context, the responding rightly and being godly is to confess your sin to God, to open it up and pray to him. Opening the lid on what you've done before God and asking God to forgive it. Do you know, at church, we pray a confession generally in the evening. We pray a prayer of confession most weeks where we will say, I've sinned, please forgive me. And you know, that might be a good thing for you to start doing each day. Take the service sheet home with you and pray the confession for that week every day. Lord, I've sinned, please forgive me. But I think there's much more to be said and much more is being said here. You see, it's more than just praying a general prayer of confession. I think we should be praying and asking God for forgiveness for specific things that we've done. I don't know when the last time was where you prayed to God and said, Father, I was angry with so and so, please forgive me. Father, I got drunk last night and that brought dishonour to your name, please forgive me. Father, I went to corpse so that I might just look at girls and lust over them, please forgive me. Father, I've been making my work an idol, please forgive me. Do you know, Father, I have done whatever it is specifically that you've done which has transgressed God's law. Ask him for forgiveness. And he will forgive you. It seems so easy, doesn't it? Saying the words, please forgive me. But we can have great confidence that's what God does as we open up our sins. It's all you need to do to be forgiven by God to feel the blessedness of verses 1 and 2. And can you see, actually, this is really different to the, the Roman Catholic doctrine of confession. Because you know, in that uh, doctrine there, you have to go to a priest to confess your sins. And then the priest will say, you are forgiven. Well, we just need to pray to God. We don't need to go through a priest to get forgiveness. We pray to God. And in Roman Catholicism, the priest will then give you something to do. will give you penance to do. Something that you do to pay for your sins or to show that I'm really sorry. But can you see how different that is from what it says here in Psalm 32? I acknowledge my sins to you and you forgave them. Very different to what it says in Romans 4. That a man is counted righteous not because of what he does. You see, David confessed and was forgiven. He acknowledged it and God forgave him. And to say that we, must have, we have to do then something else to be forgiven is just wrong. And it says that what Jesus did on the cross in paying for our sins wasn't good enough. It's not the gospel. You see, we need to pray, uncover our sins and ask God to forgive. That's it. 
You see, sometimes we like the thought of having to do something to pay to show that we're really sorry. But that's not the gospel. And so we have to pay verse, we've got to pray verse 6, while God may be found. Did you see that in verse 6? Now let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. You see, we join in with David in praying while God may be found. It seems a little bit odd when you think about it, isn't it? You know, is God like the GP that you have to make an appointment with and that sometimes the GP is closed? What does it mean that God can be found at certain times? You see, obviously it's not the point that God is like a GP. What David is saying there is there comes a time when God can't be found. When it will be too late to open up your sins and ask for forgiveness. That will be the time when God comes to judge the whole world. And at that time it's too late. And so the point is here, while, the, while God can be found, and that is now, pray to him. Pray to him now. Don't leave it. And then just to be clear here, as Christians, because of Jesus, we are forgiven once for all. And so we don't need to worry that we've not confessed a particular sin here or there. No, we are to throw ourselves in the mercy of God, and that forgives, and God forgives us once and for all. But then our lives will be characterized by a constant saying sorry to God. And asking for forgiveness again. Claiming what's already ours. The forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. And we'll be always saying please forgive me. And thank you that you have in the Lord Jesus. But do you know this one. If you've never ever come to God. And said I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. If that's never been something that you've done. Then pray to God while he may be found. Because otherwise that sin stands over you. And as it stands over you, there will come a time when God will judge it. And it will be too late to come back and ask him to forgive. So don't delay. Confess your sins now and ask God to forgive you. So turn to God while he may be found. And that is now. And then see the great blessing in verse 6 and 7. You see it? Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you while he may be found. And surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. You see, when you confess your sins, you can be assured that the waters of judgment won't reach you ever. You're truly forgiven, eternally forgiven. And then God will surround you and be your hiding place. He'll be your refuge. He will sing songs of deliverance over you. What a great picture to be in God's presence in that way and surrounded by God in that way. And then David goes on in verses 8 to 10 to say, don't be a stubborn mule. Do learn the lesson of what he's been saying. Don't be like a mule that needs to be dragged everywhere. Learn it for yourself. See what he says, verses 8 to 10. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding and must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. So there's great blessing in being forgiven. And so learn from David's experience. Don't cover up your sin. 
Open it up before God and ask for his forgiveness. Join with David in praying to God while he may be found. Because God loves to forgive. And will forgive those who do that. And you see, if you learn that lesson. If you learn from David and you join in with David. Then can you see how you can't help but join in with with him in rejoicing and praising our Lord. You see how the psalm finishes. Surely it is what we want to do when you understand the effects of sin and the wonderful truth that it can be forgiven. You see how it finishes? Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Confess your sins and know the forgiveness and then that will rise up in us a song of praise and thanksgiving to God. What joy in knowing sins forgiven. Maybe you felt weighed down by sin over these last few weeks. Confess your sins and know the joy of feeling that weight lifted. Of knowing God would look at you and see you as righteous because of the Lord Jesus. Confess your sins and know the joy of sins forgiven. And keep joyfully giving thanks to our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Why don't you take a couple of minutes now in quiet to respond to God, maybe to confess some sin to God. And then in a few moments we're going to pray and then there's some questions to discuss after that. So take a few minutes just of quiet and then we'll sing in a moment.